and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and today I have another episode of Faces of Fascism for you. This guy, again, is not really a fascist. He is a fascist triangulator type. He's one of the GOP hopefuls who attended the Republican primary presidential debate, aka the vice presidential debate, because former President Donald Trump continues to poll way higher than any of these people. His name is Vivek Ramaswamy. He is a GOP hopeful who's sort of triangulating between businessy technocrat and extreme far-right libertarian conspiracy thinking craziness. Ramaswamy was born in 1985 in Ohio to Indian national parents who had immigrated to the United States for work. Both of his parents were Brahmin, they are very high caste members in Indian society, and their families control a traditional sort of land grant from the Indian state, which means that in India their families are extremely powerful and influential. Ramaswamy's father was a patent attorney for General Electric, and his mother was a psychiatrist. He was raised in Hinduism but attended a Jesuit school, uh, high school, when he was living in Cincinnati. He went to Harvard for undergrad, where he was a libertarian provocateur. He said to the Harvard Crimson that he loved arguing, so he was literally that kid in college. Once he got out of college, he entered the business entrepreneurial world, and that's essentially where he has been for the remainder of his life. In 2007, he founded a social network for young entrepreneurs. The idea was that people out of college who were trying to found companies would find their co-founders together. He then sold this to a big investment firm for a bunch of money, and that was the seed money for the remainder of his fortune. He then moved on to work at a hedge fund, where he worked throughout law school managing their biotech investments. In 2011, he went to Yale for law school, where he met J.D. Vance, who is also a far-right politician. He also met his current wife there, who is a physician like his mother. After he left law school, he continued to work at this biotech investment company, but also founded his own biotech investment firm called Royvent in 2014. Royvent was technically headquartered in Bermuda, intentionally avoiding all U.S. taxes, and it got a bunch of money from big investment firms. Royvent's sort of M.O. was that they would purchase other biotech companies' unused drug and chemical patents, as in this company did not do any R&D itself, or it did very minimal R&D itself. What it did was that it would leech off of the biotech investment and actual research that other companies had performed and purchase, you know, drugs and chemicals that they had invented, but which they had not used. This firm and its many subsidiaries became big golden calves in the investment firm, like money just literally funneling in, like flowing into these things like water. They made a huge amount of money while also claiming to be helping people. Specifically, their big cash cow was a supposedly miracle Alzheimer's drug, which they were really touting in the mid-2010s. This drug then failed clinical trials in 2017. One of the Royvent subsidiary companies that held the patent to this drug lost 75% of its value in a single day. This involved a total tank in all of the possible value of this company, and it also destroyed a number of hedge funds as well as many investment funds that uh, pensions had invested in. So, you know, this means that people in states like Illinois, or California, where state employees have their pension funds invest 
in index funds in order to maintain their value. They lost money because of Ramaswamy's lies about this drug. He himself was, of course, completely shielded from this because of, you know, him working his investment magic like any other sound investor would. By 2020, Ramaswamy had stepped back from his investment involvement, having made his hundreds of millions of dollars. At this point, his net worth hovered around a billion dollars, although to believe most reports, it is slightly below $1 billion. So the man's not quite a billionaire, but he is relatively young at this point. By 2020, he had stepped back from leading these companies to be a sort of financial manager, consultant, person who's on your board kind of guy, right? You know, and that could have been the rest of his life, right? Ramaswamy could have just, you know, made it to be a billionaire just by investments rolling over and investments working out and just making more money in general. He moved on to being a financial manager and founded a, and was involved in the founding of a couple other smaller companies, including a publicly traded company whose purpose was to buy privately traded companies in order to essentially make them public without going through the paperwork of becoming a publicly traded company. As an investor, he actively campaigns against the concept, like just the existence, of socially conscious investing, which is, you know, basically just like trying not to invest in gun companies or, you know, companies that produce extremely dangerous chemicals or tobacco or fracking or something like that. He thinks that this is criminal. He thinks that it is negligent to consumers and also to shareholders and to companies in general. Remember, Ramaswamy is at heart a libertarian. He believes that all politics is essentially business and the businesses should be allowed to run themselves without any government interference. Now, like I said, Ramaswamy could have coasted and lived the rest of his life like this. This could have been the rest of his life just getting richer and being on boards and making money and playing golf or whatever the fuck he chooses to do. But that wasn't enough for him. Instead, he decided that it was time to get involved in politics. Now, prior to 2023, Ramaswamy was one of those supposedly apolitical libertarian right-wing assholes, right? He said that he voted for Donald Trump in 2020, but that he hadn't voted in any presidential election since 2004 when he voted for the libertarian candidate Michael Badnerick. Yeah, I didn't remember who that guy was either. He's just like a libertarian crank. In 2023, though, he suddenly decides that it's time to run for president. Now, this is a very curious move, and I'm going to talk more about what the heck is going on. But first, let's talk about the politics that Ramaswamy has. Probably the most salient thing that he is adding to the debate is hardline U.S. nationalism, like intense, very well-described and extremely well-argued U.S. nationalism as opposed to Trump's bumbling sort of autocorrect jumbleness. Like, right, Ramaswamy is a brilliant debater and he is a good speechmaker. He's opposed to any critique of the United States in any way, including the supposed Christian values that are at the foundation of the United States. Ramaswamy talks about Christian values all the time. He is courting evangelical and hardline Catholic votes. Remember, Ramaswamy is a Hindu. He has not converted to Christianity but he believes in these Judeo-Christian values, supposedly, right? He, he thinks that they're at the foundation of the United States and appreciates them for this reason, but has not converted to Christianity. Ramaswamy says that he would pardon Donald Trump if he were elected president, and has also said that he might pick Robert Kennedy as a running mate. Jesus, talk about triangulation. 
Now, this means that Ramaswamy has already positioned himself as one of the more right-wing candidates that are currently running for the Republican nomination. He is trying really hard to be the candidate of the extreme right of the Republican Party, despite the fact that, again, he is not white and he is not a Christian. These would be significant detriments to him if he were to ever actually run for president, because, you know, I would not be surprised if many people don't know that he's not actually a Christian, but that's where he's trying to position himself. He is trying to be the poster child of anti-woke ideology. You know, the center of his message is essentially like, well, I'm not white. My parents are immigrants. Look where I got. Racism doesn't exist, etc., etc. He is opposed to affirmative action, again, saying like, you know, well, I didn't need it in order to go to Harvard and Yale and become a billionaire, right? He says that critical race theory is a poison, that it is a disease that is corrupting the minds of the youth of the United States. Ramasamami is opposed to abortion entirely with the sole exceptions of rape, incest, and danger to the mother's life. These are essentially the only kinds that certain Catholic conservatives accept and support, right? So Ramaswamy has an extremely hard-line position when it comes to abortion. Unsurprisingly, given his position on quote-unquote woke ideology, Ramaswamy believes that queerness is a cult. That is a direct quote from him. He says that LGBTQ ideology is a cult. He is opposed to trans rights of all kinds and says that any treatment for them is abuse, whether child abuse or the abuse of adults. He is in favor of homosexual marriage, at least in that he believes that it is the law of the land and that that law needs to be followed, but he doesn't seem like he would be opposed to changing any of those laws. Now, some of his more surprising positions when it comes to the Republican Party stem from his libertarianness, right? He is a libertarian. He thinks that marijuana should be federally legalized, but he also wants the United States to essentially invade Mexico and kill members of drug cartels. Now, this unfortunately doesn't really set him apart from many of his Republican counterparts debating right now. Like, that is a fairly common position in the Republican Party right now, at least if you listen to the Republican Party presidential debates. When it comes to other things that set Ramaswamy apart, at least aside from the mainstream of the Republican Party, it's also that he is a conspiracy theorist. And some of these conspiracy theories are ones that are extremely common in the Republican Party. Some of them are things that, like, even Republicans don't really usually talk about, although Trump kind of does sometimes. One of the more common ones that Ramaswamy purports is COVID conspiracy theories, right? He thinks that the disease was either artificially created or that its danger was overemphasized, again, despite the fact that, you know, a million people in the United States died from this disease. He says that COVID lockdowns are themselves a conspiracy in order to try to control people's lives, to enhance the power of the federal government, and in order to tank the economy, like, intentionally. I don't know why, who would want to do that? What? Also, all that stuff happened when Donald Trump was the president. What? I don't know. It's, 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 it's a conspiracy theory, right? It doesn't have internal logic. Another you know, conspiracy theory that Ramaswamy believes is in a climate change conspiracy theory model. He says that climate change is real, but that it's not bad and also maybe good and also we shouldn't worry about it, right? He's, he's one of those kinds of people, right? He thinks that the climate is changing, but that it's probably okay that it's changing and that we shouldn't worry about it. A direct quote from him is that, quote, people should be proud to live a high carbon lifestyle, as in, he acknowledges that carbon emissions are a main driver of climate change, but he doesn't care and thinks that that's probably okay, 
right? He thinks that it's okay to destroy the planet and thereby the economy, I guess, because he's rich and he's not going to deal with it. One of the other conspiracy theories that Ramaswamy has sort of flirted with, which is a little bit unusual, even for the Republican Party, is 9-11 trutherism. Now, Donald Trump dabbled in this a little bit, but it wasn't a big emphasis of his presidency. Ramaswamy has said that federal agents were possibly involved in the September 11th attacks. This makes him a really intensely conspiratorial thinker, especially when compared to the rest of the right wing of the Republican Party, for example, a Mike Pence. R.E., the government itself, and you know what he says he would do if he were the president of the United States, essentially Ramaswamy wants the president to be king president. He says that the president should govern by fiat when it comes to the executive branch, that he should be able to fire all federal employees, essentially eliminating the right of federal employees to collectively bargain, which would destroy some of the remaining big powerful unions in the United States, many of which disproportionately employ people of color because people of color disproportionately work in the federal government and in other government branches in the United States because they are disproportionately discriminated against in the private sphere, right? So he is proposing a massive hit to the working lives of people of color in the United States, but of course, he doesn't talk about like he doesn't talk about it like that. He doesn't think about it like that. He thinks that all federal employees should be at will, like I said, he also wants to ignore or to be able to ignore all congressional budgets, as in currently in the United States, the president is obligated to spend all of the money that Congress gives the president, which is a way to prevent Republicans from just like not spending spending bills that have been allocated. He says like, hey, I don't want to do that. So like even if a Democratic Congress passes a budget, I just won't spend it. Like I just won't do it. He also says that he wants to fire most federal employees. He's saying that he's going to fire three-fourths of them, which is fucking insane. That, that, that's completely crazy, right? Like, like, that's everybody from, like, the people who inspect bridges to the CDC to, like, the post office. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So what, what, what is this guy doing? What, what's the point here? Ramaswamy has essentially skyrocketed up to third place in this election, you know, in the Republican primary debate, because he is, like, he's actually a very interesting candidate, right? He is a good public speaker. He has a good face for politics. He's attractive. He is young. He is galvanizing. He's got a different message. You know, he's exactly the kind of politician that people rally around. But his politics are completely untenable, right? And he is also just an untenable candidate. As a person who studies the right wing, not just in the United States, but around the world, I would be absolutely astonished if a candidate who is not a Christian could win the right-wing Christian vote in the United States. That's just simply not going to happen. So what is this guy's deal? You know, is he intentionally running as a spoiler candidate? Is he intentionally running in order to try to be Trump's vice president? Is he trying to be Trump's, like, you know, secretary of the treasury? Maybe that's what he's trying to do. Is, you know, like, this is the sort of thing that gets me into weird conspiratorial thinking, right? Like, is somebody putting him up to this, like, like as a wedge, as a really weird wedge to, like, try to rip support off of DeSantis enough for Trump to be able to be nominated? Or is it just, like, muddying the waters? Or is this just a rich guy who wants to be in the spotlight and maybe wants to run again later? Or who wants to run for governor somewhere? That's the sort of thing that we will only be able to answer with time. All right. That was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. 
I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out and all one word. That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H-I-S-T of the right. Also fascism 15 spelled out in all one word. I'm on blue sky at 15-M-I-N-S-O-F-F-A-S-C. Right. Thanks very much. And I will talk to you on Thursday.